Welcome back to Mortgage Genomics Canada. I'm your host, Marco Gello. I'm a duly licensed mortgage broker in BC and Alberta, born and raised in Calgary, currently living in North Vancouver. If you are from either of these provinces and require any mortgage-related services, please do not hesitate to contact me. Call or text me right now at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. One application, one credit check, and access to Canada's top lenders. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Um, today's headliner topic, I'm um, going to talk about why are personal income tax documents required when qualifying for a mortgage? But before we get to that, here's what's on my mind this week. All right, I've talked about this before, and I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's going to be the main driver of Vancouver's real estate market starting in September. And what I'm referring to is the the large wrong of Canadians returning home post-pandemic and combining that with the approximately 1.23 million new Canadians expected by 2023. So just Hong Kong alone, the Canadian passport holders that are there right now, some believe it's as high as 300,000 that are expected to make their way back to Vancouver in relatively short order. And it's not that hard to believe with all the political instability there. Um, You know, for the past little while, Hong Kongers are not excited about becoming China. Um, This will absolutely drive people and money out of Hong Kong and directly into Vancouver and uh, Toronto and, and other larger cities in Canada as well. So we're very quickly going to be back to the super tight supply of real estate inventory in Vancouver and I believe skyrocketing real estate and and I hope I'm wrong I totally hope I'm wrong but I seriously doubt it so you know I would say like I'm not trying to hype things here but sooner rather than later get in now um, if, if you want in in on Vancouver or start packing your bags and head east and, and for some, East could be as far as Calgary, Edmonton, and beyond, um, because you're not necessarily going to find affordability in, in Abbotsford or Chilliwack either. Um, so heads up, don't get caught sleeping in the sun this summer. Uh, if you're looking to pull the, the pin on a property, better now than later. There's also good old natural population increase to add to to what I just mentioned, and and also inter-provincial migration as well. People coming in from other provinces, from Canada, all across Canada, into British Columbia. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a gong show. I think it's going to be a complete gong show. And the part that mostly hurts the local buyer is the massive purchasing power edge that comes with the competing home buyer from Hong Kong. God, like this part... No one talks about this as well. Like for many Hong Kongers, I don't know if I'm saying it right, Hong Kongers, people from Hong Kong, their net worth has increased as high as 10 times than when they left Canada. And to add, they are coming from one of the few regions in the solar system, this solar system, or Milky Way galaxy or whatever, where real estate is actually priced higher than Vancouver. Yeah, there is a place. It's called Hong Kong. And currently, 
There is no talk of any government policy or mortgage rule that is, is going to stop this here in Canada. So come September, it's basically going to be a free-for-all in the Vancouver real estate market. Foreign buyers tax, empty homeowner tax, all that fluff, whatever. This is pocket change to this type of buyer. This will not slow things down. They'll chuckle at the foreign buyer tax. It's a joke. And the BC government knows it. Population density. More people will come to the lower mainland in Vancouver. And it's the same old story. Mountains to the north, ocean to the west, and whatever's left is pretty much designated as agricultural reserve land. So basically, absolutely no developable developable uh, land within sight. And this is what I've noticed since I've moved to Vancouver from a city like Calgary, where I came from in 2011. You know, other than its natural beauty and, and all the amazing things that Vancouver has, you know, I've, I've also noticed I, I came from a place where pretty much on an annual basis, the city of Calgary um, just engulfs, swallows another chunk of land, you know, either either on the north or the southern uh, southern edge of the city. And uh, it becomes Calgary and, it, and end up they, they build thousands of, of new and affordable homes. And then a few years after that, they expand the light rail transit further, um, just like what recently happened. Trudeau's in, in Calgary or Edmonton, somewhere in Alberta, and he made a press conference. They're expanding this green light rail transit somewhere in Calgary. Anyhow, that keeps happening. That, that is in repeat mode. In Vancouver, this doesn't happen, like not at all. The only expansion possible in Vancouver is to build up or rebuild. And uh, both of those options take way too long with all the bureaucratic red tape, uh, developmental permitting process, circus um, that, that is in play right now with the various, all the municipalities of Greater Vancouver. So what I'm saying basically is that you have... You, you may see some periodic pauses in the market where, uh, if anything, prices will remain stable and you will be able to place an offer on a property without having to go subject free. We'll figure. And we are now in one of those cycles. And uh, I believe simply because it's summer. And it's the summer after... 18 months of wearing masks and not being able to go somewhere. So a lot of pent up, you know, like I want to go, I want to leave. Everyone's just exploring BC. But after this pause or this period of relaxation, whatever you want to call it, we're going to be back at it because there are way more compelling indicators for a strong market in Vancouver than there are for a weaker market in Vancouver. Um, absolutely no rocket science explanation needed in my opinion on this but um we'll see come september i'll eat my words if this isn't the case but uh, i think it's going to be a gong show in september once again how did you cope with the heat wave i'm sure there's uh other regions in the country or world that experienced what we did here in vancouver and pretty much all of bc last week um, we hit temperatures over 40 degrees Celsius and, uh, 
and it, and it was insane. I, I heard this guy on the radio, um, some scientist, I didn't catch his name or whatever, but it was uh, it was on the main course network uh, AM radio here in Vancouver, 980 AM. And uh, he said Vancouver, for example, currently has 17 very warm days a year. And uh, I don't know what exactly constitutes a very warm day, but uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's 28 degrees and above or something like that. But he said by 2050, the scientist, uh, that Vancouver should experience 72 very warm days per year, up from 17 days. And he projected these types of numbers for uh, other Canadian cities as well, like Calgary, Edmonton, all the way to Toronto. Um, it's these kinds of conclusions that, to me, kind of uh, you know discredit the science. Not not science itself, but just the, the process of science. So basically, according to this guy, you know we're gonna melt to death in the next 30 years. And the way I look at this whole global warming topic is like, and I'm going to use another human food consumption analogy here. Like if you eat a lot and, and you also, you know, eat, it's not like a healthy eating habits that, that you're eating as well. So if you eat a lot and you eat unhealthy, like a doctor or a nutritionist, yeah, they'll conclude that you will gain weight for sure. Put on a few pounds or even, even possibly become obese. Okay, that totally makes sense, absolutely. But then there are those, and everyone knows one of those, um, the ones that can eat anything they want and as much of it as their hearts desire, and they won't gain an ounce. And this group defies the conventional wisdom. Um, the more calories you consume, the heavier you become. They don't fall in the I gain weight when I overeat camp because of this thing called genetics. And this is kind of how I view global warming. So the, the forecasts and predictions about global warming that we hear about mostly are from the, the linear, if you do too much of this, then this will happen argument, which in many things in life is a solid and scientifically sound way of concluding things. But I'm just saying we should also give equal weight to the genetic equivalent argument to the global warming discussion, right? So, like, basically think, yes, we definitely got to keep an eye on our greenhouse gas emissions, but at the same time, continue to explore and unravel the internal workings of Mother Nature herself. Sometimes we get, I believe, a bit too one-sided with science because the theory of the day gathers substantial economic funding to the extent that the theory will be enormously costly if it is proven incorrect later on. So rather than researching and experimenting further, we just stop or bring it to a halt. And further discussion about the matter um, and control the narrative going forward because there is so much money and ego invested. And this goes for a lot of things these days. And that's why I don't like, you know, this is what I don't like about mainstream media and everything else mainstream. In my opinion, it inhibits further development and research. So a little bit off topic there, but uh, you know what? Just enjoy the, the warm weather.
And one last thing here. I haven't talked about interest rates lately. Uh, you would think I would more often because it's a mortgage-centered podcast. Uh, and the reason for it is because there really has not been any activity on the interest rate front uh, for a couple of months now. For the moment, it seems that things have normalized somewhat. We have returned to the environment when we were in before COVID hit. And uh, we seem to be sitting comfortably in that pocket now um, for the time being. The only rate that increased was the stress rate. So from 4.79% to five and a quarter. Um, so you're currently qualifying in, the, in today's environment, you're qualifying for a mortgage as though the rate was 5.25%, everyone. But once you do qualify, you are awarded an interest rate as low as 1.45% for a variable rate mortgage and as low as 1.94%-ish for a five-year fixed mortgage. So rates are still at the slightly upper range of historic lows. Um, we're good. The next interest rate date to be mindful of is July the 14th. This is the uh, next uh, scheduled interest rate announcement from the Bank of Canada and especially pertains to variable rate mortgage holders and really any variable rate type of debt like credit cards or lines of credits and stuff like that. All right, so uh, these are my thoughts, not yours. Let's begin and discuss this week's headliner. Why are personal income tax documents required when qualifying for a mortgage? Are you at the stage where you're wondering if now is the time for you to make your next move? Maybe you've never owned a home before, or perhaps you own one now but have outgrown it. Or maybe you have some debt that you'd like to roll into your mortgage. Whatever the case may be, maybe you want some answers, but you're not quite ready to commit to the next steps of getting approved. And don't worry, I totally get it. Maybe you just want to work through some numbers on your own time and not feel pressured to do anything. And if that's the case, text me at 604-800-9593 and I'll reply with my mobile app, which is truly amazing. It's loaded with a bunch of thoughtful calculators that allow you the freedom to work out all of your what-if scenarios. It includes everything you need to estimate your home ownership costs like mortgage qualification scenarios, self-inputted pre-approval certification, access to market rates, stress test qualification calculators, land transfer tax calculators, closing cost explanations, and much more. The perfect tool for someone who's on the fence about moving ahead or staying put. So don't be shy. Go ahead and text me the words Marco's app, and I will simply reply with a direct link to the app and we'll leave it at that. No strings attached. Call or text me at 604-800-9593. 604-800-9593. And now, back to the episode. Why are personal income tax documents required when qualifying for a mortgage? In most cases, personal income tax documents are required particularly when qualifying self-employed applicants. But over the past few years, the Canadian mortgage underwriting standards have increasingly expanded upon its qualification criteria. As a result, the request for personal income tax documents for mortgage qualification applicants has quickly become the norm for all employment types, rather than the exception. Let's first identify the key personal income tax documents that lenders typically request. T-slips, often, gen not often, but all the time generated by your employer. The T-4 is the most common of all T-slips and is also referred to as a statement of remuneration. It is a tax form produced by a single 
employer. You will receive a separate T4 from every employer that you were employed with in the calendar year. The T4 is useful for mortgage qualification purposes in that it confirms your total income for the year. It also confirms your employer, your legal name, and your social insurance number. They are also useful for verification when you earn income in excess of your base salary or your hourly rate as it captures the total income earned. Other common T-slips are T4As and T5s. A T4A is typically generated for individuals who are 100% commissioned salespeople, independent contractors, or self-employed applicants. However, not all self-employed individuals generate T4A slips. The way self-employed applicants file or declare their income varies significantly from one application to another. T4As can also verify Canada Pension Plan or Old Age Security Income. A T5 is generated for every investment you earn an income from. This could be anything from an annual RSP or non-registered investment redemption, redemption or withdrawal to a withdrawal of funds from your corporation in the form of a dividend. T1 General. This is generated by you or your accountant or bookkeeper. Once you receive your T-slips, as I just mentioned above, the next progression to completing your taxes is to file your T1 General. Depending on how complex your income is, you can either complete the T1 General yourself or hire an accountant or a bookkeeper to complete it for you. The T1 General Income Tax and Benefit Return is the tax return used by individuals to calculate their annual tax liability and get federal or provincial benefits such as the GST credit. It summarizes the taxpayer's income, deductions, and tax payable as computed on supporting forms and schedules and calculates the taxpayer's refund or balance due. There are five parts to your T1 um, form, including identification, total income, net income, taxable income, and a refund or balance owing. Your T1 form and any balances owing for each year are due by April 30th of the following year or June 15th for self-employed individuals or common law partners. Basically, the T1 confirms how one declares an income. And a lender can quickly determine how you earn your income by skimming through pages one to four of your T1 general. From here, the lender will typically request further documentation from additional schedules referenced within the T1 document. And this could be anywhere from four to as high as 40 pages. So typically, for mortgage qualification purposes, we're always going to request a full jacket or full version of your T1. And, um, and in most cases, this is quite a bit more pages than four. Notice of assessments. Um, these are generated by Canada Revenue Agency. So this is like the final stage, like the receipt of the entire process. Once your T1 general has been filed um, to and reviewed by the CRA, the heavy lifting has been completed. At this stage of the game, you simply wait for the review to be completed by the CRA, at which time you finally receive your notice of assessment. The notice of assessment is kind of like a receipt, as I mentioned, to confirm that you have filed your taxes for the prior year. It includes the date your T1 general was reviewed, the details about how much you may owe or how much you may receive as a refund or credit, 
and an updated RSP deduction limit for the current tax year. For self-employed applicants, a lender may require the most recent notice of assessment to confirm that the applicant is not in arrears with CRA. So absolutely, especially for self-employed, you can pretty much count on you're going to require the last two years of notice of assessments. If your income cannot be captured, verified, uh, captured or verified from a pay stub and employment letter, then prepare to provide the most recent two years of one or all of the above that I just mentioned, T-slips, T1 general and notice of assessment. And in some cases, um, three years, especially with what we've been through just with with COVID and there's been uh, irregular years as a result of that or an irregular one or two year period. Lenders are, in some cases, giving applicants the benefit of the doubt and kind of being more reasonable and and not counting the COVID COVID impacted year as heavily as they typically would in in any any other time. So think of tax documents to lenders as x-rays are to doctors. Um, Without the former, it is difficult to assess and diagnose the client. So just to to review further here before we sign off, um, the collection of the personal income tax documents, you start off with the T-slips, so they could be T3, T4, T5, and this is the first point of verification um, for the lender because it it, it comes from the actual employer or the payer um, of how much income that you earn. After that, you take your T-slips and now you enter that information into a T1, and, and this is prepared by you or an accountant. And this is you telling the world how you declare your income and how much of it you declare in, in, uh, in, in different forms and, and ways that you can declare income. So it tells a lot of stories to the lender, a lot of uh, information to the lender. And then finally, the notice of assessment um, is the seal that, that ends the entire process here. It's, it's like the receipt of this whole process, uh, confirming that, that Revenue Canada, the CRA, has, has reviewed and approved your your tax your personal tax information so with all those three combined just a ton of information to the lenders particularly if you're self-employed this is critical and you should expect um, to to have these documents requested at one point in your mortgage approval that's all i got for today call or text me anytime if you have any mortgage questions at all especially if you are in british columbia or alberta as i am licensed to service these specific provinces and especially if you are from vancouver or calgary as i'm very familiar with these markets call or text me at 604-800-9593 or you can visit my website at homefinancingsolutions.ca thank you again for tuning into mortgageonomics canada stay well everyone talk again soon